We're doing it. It is episode five of the Almost Shameless podcast with Tanya Ray Fox. Yet again, I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox, and yet again, we are staring down the barrel of another week of infuriating Tom Brady news. Another year of infuriating LeBron MVP erasure. It is unbelievable. The cyclical nature of sports is such it's it's more than anything i think any other pop culture experience you know i think what is old it always becomes new again in the world of sports and as i sat here planning this episode i thought to myself tanya are you really gonna do an episode featuring tom brady and lebron james right here in the midst of march 2020 what is it 2013 again well Good people, good listeners of Almost Shameless. It is not. But again, as I've said before, and I will say probably in the future, I don't control the news cycle. The stories come to me. I can only react and offer my knowledge on the topics of the day. So here we are, and we're going to do it. If you've been listening to me long enough, you know that whatever's going on in the world always seeps into my mood. It always seeps into my vibe because I'm an empath. I feel a lot of what other people are feeling. It just... It's impossible for me to put myself in the bubble and kind of go through my day in a way that's, you know, ignores what's going on around me. I do my best. Some days I'm better at it than others. And today is the day after Super Tuesday. Everybody was out voting in California yesterday, actually here in California and in my home state of Massachusetts. So for me, everybody was at the polls and and putting on their stickers and everything yesterday. Luckily, I was able to get my voting done really quickly. I had a mail-in ballot. I filled it out and I actually went and dropped it off because I'm a cornball and the experience, the act of going and delivering my vote is still really romantic to me. I like that feeling. I like going to a voting center and seeing everybody in line and feeling the power of all of my community fulfilling their civic duty. It just is cool. I've always loved it since I was a kid. I'm a dork. I've always been a dork. So like when I was a little kid, you used to be able to go and do like the kids vote. I'm pretty sure, you know, as a child, because you don't know what you're doing. You're just voting based on what everybody else is voting on. But I just loved it. I also liked taking tests as a kid. So that's what we're working with here. But yeah, so I, I went and dropped my ballot off. Um, I was lucky there I didn't have to wait in the line. It was pretty long. You know, there's only two people working and there's a thousand different voting centers around here. Like I looked it up and I could have voted at like 10 different places around me because I live in LA. It's not like in the suburbs where you have like your one designated center. And even then, everyone was busy. So that's a good sign. Uh, but it was a little frustrating to see how it wasn't so easy for people around the rest of the city lines were long and in other states specifically in texas people were waiting four or five hours and that's really frustrating and then this morning there's a lot of divisiveness like regardless of where you stand regardless of who you voted for i'm happy if you went out and voted i'm happy if you have a a reason in your heart that you didn't vote i completely understand but the energy of the country after a big election day is always it's just always really frustrated and you know Biden had a great day but even Biden people are 
feeling the pressure from Bernie and vice versa. There's, you know, there's all this stuff going on and it seeps in, you know, and then here we are and we can't escape the total shit show that is the Tom Brady news cycle. It will not end. I never thought I would say that I just cannot wait for Tom Brady to be a fucking free agent so we can be done with this, but I, I truly cannot wait. Like I'm getting to the point now where I obviously understand what Brady is doing and I obviously understand what the Patriots are doing and, and I, I still somehow resent everybody involved because no real information is coming out and it's frustrating for the fans who are being fed a lot of confusing information by unreliable sources. So we're going to get it a little further into that as part of the first topic. My second topic is going to be on LeBron James and his seemingly losing battle to work his way into the MVP conversation in earnest. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts on the way we do MVPs in these sports in general, specifically the NBA and the NFL. However, I have always been a pretty loud proponent of LeBron for MVP almost every year that he's healthy. So we're going to, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. So it's a, it's a full show. It's a packed show. Hot stuff coming up. Let me start off with the basics for those of you who might be not fully tapped in. So a report came out early, earlier in the day on Wednesday. It was reported by Tom Curran at NBC Sports Boston and Karen Garigian at, at the Boston Herald that Belichick and Brady had had a conversation on Tuesday morning of this week, so a couple of days ago, and it had been over the phone and that it was just sort of like the the opening act of negotiation in a sense. And the both reports stated in so many words that the conversation didn't go particularly well and that they didn't kind of, they didn't really get anywhere. Everybody was like, "All right, not really sure what to make of that because again, it's like nothing has happened. So when someone reports that nothing has happened in a conversation between Brady and Belichick, it's almost like, okay, so what you're telling me is that nothing is still happening. It can kind of just be like, can you just let us know when something does happen? I mean, obviously it's important that they had the conversation, but like, I think we're all assuming that Brady and Belichick are going to communicate. It's not like, holy shit, they got on the phone. Can you believe it? It's I'm, I don't mean to be reductive, but that's to be expected. I mean, technically, Tom Brady is still a Patriot. This has been his coach for 20 years. Not shocking that they would have a conversation. And I'm not shitting on the reporters for reporting it. I'm saying from a perspective of a fan and other people who are paying attention to the news cycle, things that look like a report and they, res- they resemble a report of new information, but in the end, you feel like you've gotten nothing out of it. And that's kind of what this was. And then, of course, later in the day, conflicting reports came out. Adam Schefter, who I actually genuinely trust, I have a lot of thoughts about the way ESPN has been handling this reporting pro- process, but I do think that by and large, Adam Schefter has things right. He comes out and says that the conversation between Brady and Belichick has happened, but that it didn't happen on Tuesday. So it didn't happen when the Boston reporters were saying it happened. And that it wasn't that it didn't go well. It just was business as usual between Brady and Belichick. And that was sort of like, okay, so the conversation didn't happen on Tuesday morning, but he didn't say when it happened. 
And he's saying it wasn't a bad conversation per se. It was just a normal, hey, we're opening negotiations type conversation. So here we are, you and I, the listener and the podcast host, you know, we're sitting here and trying to figure out like, who do we trust? Because Schefter is a national reporter who who has his fingers on the pulse of just about everything. But I also feel like the Boston beat reporters are a little bit more tapped into the everyday machinations of the team. So my thought process is Schefter's hearing probably from Brady and the reporters are probably hearing from the Patriots. You know, that's like, that's kind of how this would work. And I don't mean them specifically. I mean people in their camp and sources related to those. So Schefter is talking to Brady people and the reporters are talking to Patriots people. So someone is wrong. It's potential that both people are wrong. So there's a potential that all of this is wrong because that's what we end up getting is like when so many things are conflicting, you start to think, is nobody really nailing it? You know, and going back to the ESPN thing, you know, I'm sitting in morning meeting this morning and we're talking about a Jeff Darlington quote unquote report regarding the teams that are interested or potentially interested or considering looking into Tom Brady. I want to read you exactly what he said on air as transcribed by NBC Sports Boston. So Darlington said on air on ESPN this morning, quote, I have spoken to executives with eight different teams that are at the very least monitoring Tom Brady's free agency. They are going down this list, having internal discussions right now, saying, is this the right fit for our organization? According to Darlington, those teams have, quote unquote, varying levels of interest in Brady. And then he noted that Brady's interest in those teams is still unclear. And finally, he added four of those teams, I believe, would sign him right now. He never named a team, not one of the any, any of the eight teams or four teams to which he was referring. He never said which teams he was talking about. He admitted he has no idea if Brady's interested in them. And he never even really said that they were fully interested he said they were monitoring his free agency. So I pointed out on Twitter that monitoring Brady's free agency is what every single person in NFL media is doing right now. Of course, they're monitoring his free agency. He's the most famous NFL player on the planet. Like, you, everything about the league is going to hinge on where these major free agents go. So even if you don't want to sign him, you have to monitor what's going on. If... The Patriots don't re-sign Tom Brady. That has a ripple effect. And whatever team does, that also has a ripple effect. So it's empty language. It's worthless and it's useless. And reporters like Darlington are going out on air and they're saying all of this stuff. Meanwhile, the person who has all of the information, always, the person we always hear from on these, on, on these things, Adam Schefter, has said nothing of the sort. He's not saying any of these things. So to me, it's like you're sending out these other reporters to kind of like throw these little nuggets out there, keep the story going, and you're saving your actual insider, the guy who will eventually report what's happening with Tom Brady, you're saving him from getting in the mud. He's only going to report the real facts. And I, I obviously know that that's what's happening. But there's a lot of fans who don't sit on Twitter all day and parse through all these different tweets and all these different you know stories and go through everything and talk about it in meetings and everything else. Who They don't have the time 
to figure out whether or not these people have sources that are reliable and everything else. They're just hearing the little bits and pieces. They're seeing headlines in notifications on their phone and everything else. People have lives, jobs, children, families, things to do. So it just frustrates me because I feel as though they are being misled. And yes, I know it's just sports, but the media still has an obligation to have, like we can venture into these hypothetical conversations and we can venture into speculation while also making it clear that that's what it is and not selling it as reporting. That's just been really frustrating. And then the second part of this story today has been the emergence of the possibility that the 49ers would be willing to trade Jimmy Garoppolo and sign Tom Brady, who I think we can all agree would gladly play for the 49ers if things don't work out with the Patriots. There's no way that the 49ers aren't number one on his list of teams to play for outside of New England. I mean, for all we know, he'd rather play for the 49ers than New England at this point. So now part of Tom Curran's report was that Kyle Shanahan might have some concerns about Jimmy Garoppolo's ceiling and some in his style of play and things like that. He might be willing to move on. Now, that doesn't mean that Kyle Shanahan would automatically want to sign Tom Brady, right? It means that he might want to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo's contract is actually pretty tradable because his cap hit isn't too bad. So, you know, A plus B doesn't necessarily equal C here. The 49ers could want to trade Garoppolo, not to the Patriots. And they could want to sign someone who is not Tom Brady. But somehow the narrative is now Brady signs with the 49ers and the Niners trade Garoppolo to the Patriots. But if you're the 49ers, why are you trading Garoppolo to the Patriots? That's a losing situation for you. Unless you're convinced he sucks, which they're not. Why would you send him back to the Patriots and risk looking like total idiots if Garoppolo succeeds there and wins a Super Bowl with Bill Belichick? That does not look good for the Niners. So in my mind, if they're trading him, it's probably not to New England. There are, as we've said, many teams across the NFL who need a quarterback and for whom the NFC Super Bowl quarterback would be an upgrade. Why wouldn't Jimmy Garoppolo want to go to the Cowboys, who probably have better draft picks, to give the 49ers in return? I bet the Cowboys would love Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they can move on from Dak Prescott. They can bring in a fresh face, super marketable. Not that Dak Prescott isn't, but you know they clearly have contract issues with him. They got the hot new commodity. Dak goes wherever, you know, to the Bucks or whatever. And now Jimmy's the the QB of the Cowboys. Tom Brady is closing out his career and his little fairy tale ending in San Francisco. And the Patriots have nothing. That seems like a far more likely scenario to me than like just a swap. And you. I don't want to say that I'm like the only one who's thought of this, but I have to be honest, I haven't heard a single person talk about the idea of the Niners signing Brady, trading Garoppolo, and the Patriots ending up with nothing. I haven't talked about the idea that they could trade Garoppolo and sign somebody else. I mean, what if they want, I don't know, you know, the way Kyle Shanahan's system works, he likes a more mobile quarterback. There's a He likes a lot of run concepts and RPOs, and, you know, he might want a quarterback more like healthy Cam Newton or a maybe he wants like a Teddy Bridgewater maybe he thinks he could do something with Dak Prescott you know Shanahan doesn't love some of the passing mistakes that Garoppolo is prone to he's 
a little bit of an interception machine. Pre Dak Prescott is definitely not that. So there are so many variables here that aren't being discussed because we get so obsessed with the least likely scenario. The rule when you're solving a crime is the most likely scenario is the one you, you focus on first. You always say the most likely scenario is probably what happened. This is the opposite. The least likely scenario here is that the Patriots somehow end up with Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Tom Brady. That's like, I mean, it's best case scenario for the Patriots. Imagine, imagine they just get him back. Like, of course, that'd be amazing. But like the Niners would have to be held legally responsible for letting Belichick get away with that. There's no way people would be okay with that. It's just, it's just totally insane. Moving on. That stuff coming up. This current NBA non-MVP race is the perfect example of why MVPs should always be voted on after the playoffs, after the finals, everything. And I believe that the same should be done in the NFL because what ends up happening is, as you know, regular season superstars end up get winning an MVP. Sometimes it's arguable, sometimes it's not. And then they don't lead that team in the same way in the playoffs, or they're not able to get over a hump or whatever. Whenever the competition rises to a new level, they don't do the same or their domination falls off. And then at the end of the year, we're left with an MVP that fizzled out in the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying that every year the MVP should come from an NBA Finals team. But I think we can all agree that there have been some MVPs in the past who have really failed miserably in the playoffs. And like, it just doesn't translate. You know, we these awards stand the test of time. And this year, Giannis Antetokounmpo is running away with the MVP. His statistics are otherworldly. He's he's sitting in a lot of fourth quarters. You can only, it's it's almost like I can't even imagine what his stats would be like if he was actually playing the whole game. He's got the Bucks on pace to win like 70 games. Milwaukee is going to win 70 games, which is insane. He's he has done a great job leading that team. Reports just came out today that despite his hesitance to recruit players, he actually has been involved in getting players, role players to the team that are important. So I'm not arguing that Giannis isn't an MVP candidate, but I am going to tell you this. At 35 years old, 17 years into his career, LeBron James is averaging a career high in assists. He has been the ultimate leader on the Lakers. The bounce back from where he was at last season to now is pretty incredible. He has had to deal with a lot of adversity over the last couple of months um, with the death of Kobe Bryant. And there's just been a lot going on with that team. And he's defensively playing extremely well on a team that has a lesser roster, right? I think that overall, the Lakers are basically LeBron James, big gap, Anthony Davis, Big gap, everybody else. When LeBron James scores 30 or more points, the Lakers win. Every single time. That is a fact. When he doesn't play well, Anthony Davis doesn't step up enough to make that big of a difference. These are statistics you can go back and look at. I'm not making them up. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. He is 
once again, I don't know, you know, maybe this is his own fault. I don't know. But he is once again putting the team on his back. And now he's not 26 years old anymore. He is 35 and he's doing this. And I just think there's something to be said for a player that iconic, that important to the game, playing at that high of a level on that kind of team versus a Giannis-led Bucks team being dominant. But do we really... how much do we trust Giannis and the Bucks in the playoffs? Because I could see Giannis and the Bucks losing a playoff series to a team like the Celtics or maybe the Raptors or another team that just like also has a lot of good role players, good chemistry, good coaching, all of that. We've seen it. Obviously, we know Giannis hasn't played in the finals for a reason. My whole thing, I'm going to take it back to my main point, which is that we can't be deciding MVPs based on the regular season. If you look back, the let's say let's let's just go through some of some of the MVPs over the in recent history. So LeBron has won four times. He won back to back in 2009 and 2010, and he won back to back in 2012 and 2013, okay? In between that was the Derrick Rose MVP season. The Derrick Rose Chicago Bulls season is lost to history. NBA, like really diehard NBA fans remember how great he was and his like really iconic emotional MVP speech, but it doesn't matter. Derrick Rose doesn't matter. He never became the player that everybody thought he was going to become. Part of that has obviously been injury related and whatever else, but like that's that's the fact. LeBron James absolutely should have won MVP that season and it would have been five straight. Then in 2014, Kevin Durant won, okay? Steph Curry won back to back in 2015-2016. Then Russell Westbrook won because now we're just rewarding outright point hogging. Unbelievable. Like the idea that Russell Westbrook has ever been the most valuable player in the NBA while LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and these other guys are playing. The only way Russell Westbrook should be winning an MVP is if like 14 of the best teams in the league are kidnapped and just disappear one day. They just go full Avengers Infinity War and and that with the snap of Thanos' finger, they just disappear. That's the only way that what Russell Westbrook should have ever won an MVP award. Then next year is James Harden. Again, not a huge fan of James Harden. I don't have the energy to also shit on James Harden after all the time I just spent shitting on Russell Westbrook. But you know my feelings on point-hogging players who don't end up getting over the hump in the playoffs. Okay? Then last year, it's Giannis. Again, incredible player, unique athlete, Really something special to watch and definitely one of the best players in the NBA right now. He, I mean, he's the best player in the NBA right now, like top to bottom, obviously. But like cumulatively, one of the best players in the NBA over the last three to four years. So fine. But again, gets to the playoffs. What happens? Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors go to, go to the finals. Giannis left in the dust. Kawhi Leonard, no MVP. Never had an MVP. This is a problem. The NBA is so obsessed with regular season statistics, with regular season dominance. And then they judge the careers of these players on playoff success and rings. You can't have it both ways, you know? So it doesn't make sense that we do this. And I feel the same way about the NFL. You know, there are, like Matt Ryan has an MVP for the year that they blew a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl and the Patriots had the greatest comeback in the history of the sport. So now when you look back on that year, who was the most valuable player in the NFL all season long? Matt Ryan, 
who ended that same MVP season in full-on meltdown disaster. Fucking stupid. I am a purist in the sense that I want these awards to reflect to reflect a reality that when we look back on, it's recognizable to us. We are evolved enough as sports media members and sports fans and sports leagues to understand the magnitude of history in the moment. And unless Giannis and the Bucks overcome their playoff hump and end up in the NBA Finals and make a historic run, we will not remember this season by Giannis Antetokounmpo. We won't. We will remember this season for what LeBron James did in his second year. Huge comeback from a disaster last season. First time he got injured. Comes back yet again. Puts a team on his back yet again. Becomes a Laker in earnest. Takes on the role that he was meant to inhabit in the wake of this devastation with Kobe Bryant. That's valuable. And I understand it's not statistically the same sort of quote-unquote, value as a player like Giannis. I don't want to undersell how incredible he is. But if he's going to win the MVP, he better get his ass to the fucking NBA Finals. So we should be waiting until after that to do this. Because we can't give the dude another... I just... I don't want... I don't want to see these regular season heroes and postseason busts continue to get a free pass. You should have to be as good in the postseason as you are in the regular season to earn most valuable player in a league that values postseason success over everything, right? Shall we? Okay, so I know that this whole podcast has been a rant, so hopefully you're not too sick of it quite yet because I was on Instagram uh, yesterday or the day before. And one of my college friends had posted to their Instagram story a laughing emoji and they'd shared a post from an art account that kind of highlights like weird art around Instagram that's being shared, usually like abstract weird shit. And this abstract artist with like 40 something thousand followers, like a legitimately successful artist had posted, I kid you not, a picture of corn on the cob, just a piece of corn on the cob with a pearl earring in it designed to resemble the iconic painting of girl with a pearl earring. Okay. So they'd taken a corn on the cob, given it the little like hair ribbon thing and made the like husk, the end husk kind of look like hair and then just stuck a pearl earring in it. Okay. I want to read you some of what this person wrote as the caption under their picture of corn with a pearl earring, which is what this piece of art was called. When I saw this corn on my dining table last summer, it suddenly reminded me of the face of one of the most famous portrait paintings. That's how it all started. All I did was just look at even the common appearance of corn, in parentheses, non-GMO, as if it were a beautiful piece of art. Through my work, I hope you will receive a small touch that will look at original painting Johannes Vermeer's Girl with a Pearl Earring from another perspective and make you love it more. Okay, so this person looked at a piece of corn, put an earring on it, and said that they hope that you looking at their corn with an earring in it reminded you of the beauty of an original iconic painting that is already iconic for its artistry and beauty. 
I have to be honest and tell you that abstract art in in many ways is so self-indulgent and such fucking bullshit. And I couldn't believe what I was reading. It honestly felt, it felt like satire. I thought at first that some, that this person was making fun of themselves or making fun of the act of creating abstract art. And then I realized they were serious. And I just, I thought to myself, I actually messaged one of my friends and I was like, this shit is out of control. We have, as a society, have to stop allowing people to think that their weird thoughts and their kooky ideas are so unique because they're artists. Like, I'm not saying there aren't artists. I'm not saying there aren't people who think in a beautiful abstract way that is unique and makes them special and and they are thus creative geniuses. Like, there, of course those people exist. But staking a pearl earring on a piece of corn does not constitute art. I'm sorry. That's just a weird thought you had in your head and you did it and you took a picture of it and it was like cute and funny at, at the, at best. You can't just take a picture of corn and say, I hope this reminds you of a Vermeer painting. Like what the fuck? 48.3 thousand followers. And I like don't want to shit on them or like, and I haven't even looked at any of their other art. I don't know if they're good or not. I don't know anything about them other than the fact that they posted this weird thing and just is like guys we have to hold ourselves to higher standards as a society i know i'm like i'm cracking myself up because as i'm saying it i even feel silly for ranting about it because it's so silly but like i i think it like speaks to a larger idea in our culture that like been made worse by social media this idea that like we're all special in whatever way we want to be because social media makes it so easy for us to share ourselves with the world and have random people give us validation, right? And that's of course a good thing sometimes. It's really nice to be able to put something out in the universe and have strangers and people you don't know show you compassion and empathy and interest and and to validate your, you know, perceived talents. But there's so much uh there's so many people out there who just want to validate you so that you'll validate them that we end up with corn with a pearl earring. Like we've just, we've got to stop. We have to stop giving unwarranted compliments to people because this is what ends up happening. Save your compliments for something you really truly believe in. That's all I ask. We're not going to stop the insanity until we stop feeding into people's delusions of grandeur. We can't be feeding this anymore. Everybody is special in their own way. Everybody has the ability to do something that other people couldn't necessarily do. I actually do believe that. I'm not an asshole. I actually do believe everybody is blessed with something that makes them interesting. Sometimes they don't figure out what that is and sometimes they 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 diagnose it wrong or they think it's something that it isn't and they ignore the thing that it is. I don't know, but fuck guys, corn with a pearl earring cannot be allowed to exist. Let me rephrase that. It can be allowed to exist. We just don't have to like it and share it on art forums. That's all. It can be allowed to exist. It could be on a Tumblr somewhere with people laughing at it. That's fine, but it can't be allowed to exist with such um, sincerity and lack of self-awareness. It's, it's tough out there, you know? Some of us are just trying to be podcast legends and we can't get any traction because cause the corn with the pearl earring people are hogging all of the social media space, you know? We, such a weird rant. Corn with the pearl earring is really just, it's just a, a symptom of a larger problem, you know?
And together on the Almost Shameless podcast, we're going to continue to call out these little things. All movements start with just a little, a little spark. And our movement to stop feeding each other bullshit on social media, it starts now. It starts now and it's been inspired by corn with a pearl earring. <laughs> oh, it's so silly. Okay, thank you guys for sticking it out with a, a like 40 something minutes of just ranting or whatever it's been. You guys are the best. Again, share, like, subscribe, do all of it. Um, I will be back next Wednesday on my normal day. Hopefully all the technical difficulties have been worked out in the kinks. I do think I'm going to have a guest next week. I was supposed to have a guest this week, but because of the issues, it didn't work out. So uh, next Wednesday, new episode, hopefully a guest and my first guest since I've be become almost shameless. So that'd be cool. In the meantime, have an excellent week. Don't buy into anything until you feel really comfortable with who it is that's telling you that information. And in honor of me, if you eat corn on the cob or really any other piece of inanimate vegetation just eat it and don't take a picture of it and don't turn it into art do that in honor of me all right thank you guys i will talk to you next week bye